the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. You have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the last chapter in 2 Corinthians. And uh, we have one verse, which is the main verse and the basis for this entire message today. And that one verse is verse 5. And as I put it up on the screen, if you have your own Bibles, this is a verse that you need to circle and underline this verse. This is at the end of the the whole series, the end of the whole letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth. In our text today, the Apostle Paul at the end of really a really long letter where he has been encouraging Christians throughout this entire book not to be influenced by the world, not to live carnal lives, not to live a life like the world lives, He concludes his exhortation by telling the Corinthians, you all need to take a test. And you need to examine your own heart, your own life, and your own soul. He's talking about in regards to the things that he's been telling you over the course of this series. I will add that you need to heed these words. You need to take this test because the results of this test are monumental. Your eternal destiny may be at stake. So today we're going to take a test, every one of us. We're going to take an exam here today. Paul exhorts us to examine yourself. I don't want you to examine the person on your right. I don't want you to examine the person on your left. You want to examine just yourself. My word of encouragement to you though is to be honest today. There are five parts to this exam. Part number one, write this down, the conversion test. He said in verse five, to examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. This is the conversion test. Are you saved? In John 14, six, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That tells us there are not a thousand different ways to get to heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that one way is through Jesus Christ. And so the two questions, the two questions, I want you to write this down. Is Jesus your Savior? And is Jesus your Lord? It really is 
profound, simple, but profound. Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? If yes, you've passed the test. If no, you have failed the test. Most important question on this exam is the conversion test. Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? The second part of the self-examination test is called the character test. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus lives in you? Unless, of course, you failed the test. That's, that's the conversion test. If he's not your Savior and he's not your Lord, then he doesn't live in there. But if Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord, he lives inside of you. And what he's saying is the character test is that your life Your integrity, your character should all reflect the fact that Jesus lives in there. Do people see Jesus in you? Your character should reflect the Christ that's within you if he's there. And that's what this whole letter was about, that we shouldn't live like the world lives. So you have to do a self-examination, a test. Ask yourself, is Jesus Christ really living in there? Because if he's in there, you wouldn't be living the way many of you are living. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49, Paul said, Just as we've all been born with the likeness of the earthly man, we all came from Adam, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Even though we're all born of Adam, he's saying wherever we go, we should all be reflecting Jesus Christ. So the two questions on this part of the exam, I want you to write this down. It's one or the other. Are you a carnal Christian here today? Or are you someone who acts like Jesus in all things? Be honest. I want you to circle the word all. We have these hearts and we have, you know, we have these, we divide our heart. We have church. We have our family. We have our work. We have our hobbies, and what we normally do is we say, God, you can go into the church part of my heart, but I don't really want you into the work part of my life or the hobby part of my life. God, you, the question is this, are you one thing here at church, and are you another thing when you go home? Are you one thing when you're here worshiping the Lord with other believers And are you another thing when you're home surfing the internet? The question, are you a carnal Christian or do you act like Jesus in all things? Let Jesus be your role model. Think and act like Jesus. Walk and talk like Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Behave like Jesus. Respond like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Imitate Jesus in all things. Number three is the continuation test. This is are you faithful in good times and are you faithful in bad times? I mean, one day we will all stand before an almighty God. How many of you, when you look and you stand before Jesus, you want Jesus to look right at you and say these words to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear those words? The true believer needs to be faithful here on this earth, in the good times and in the bad times. This last week, as my grandson was being born, I had to watch the older grandson. He's two. 
because he couldn't be in the hospital when all that was going on. So I volunteered. And I took him to the park up here at Cessnon Park. And we had never been there before, and it was cold. But uh, we got up there, we're doing a, a couple of slides up there, and there's a swing. He'd never been on a swing like that. It was, it was fun. Because I knew when I was playing with him, I had this other baby being born. Oh, it was so much fun. But I'm up there at the park, and this lady goes, Pastor! I turned and looked, and this lady was looking at me like, Yes. She goes, I go to your church. Never seen her before. I go, you go to my church? She goes, yeah, well. She goes, I haven't been there for two years. You go to my church, but you haven't been there for two years? No, I haven't been there for two years. I said, why have you not been there for two years? You got time to come to the park? I didn't say that. She said this to me. She said, my mother died two years ago. And I've not been to church since. Now, when she said that, immediately in my mind, I, this is what I thought. I did not say these words. But I thought, your mother died and you've not been to church for two years? Do you realize? This is what I'm thinking. Do you realize how many sermons you've missed in two years that would have been a blessing to you? Do you realize how many worship services you have missed where you worshiped and you could actually sense the presence of God in that worship service that you've missed? Do you realize how many communion times that we've had where we take communion? It's that intimate moment that you have in a busy, crazy world, just you and God. Do you realize how many youth services your children have missed the last two years? Do you realize how many prayers of blessings you've missed by not being there at the end of that service? Now, I didn't say any of that. But I did say this. Oh, you should never miss church. Because when you miss, you miss the message that God has for you. I said this just last Sunday. I preached a sermon called Thorns and Storms. Why, it was designed just to help people like you going through a tough time. Listen, you need to know what kind of Christians we need around this place. Do we need rich Christians and poor Christians? No, I don't really care. Do we need uh, funny Christians or boring Christians? No, I don't really care about that. Do we need tall Christians, short Christians? No, we already have enough of those. Do we need Christians who lean to the right politically or Christians who lean to the left politically? No, not really worried about that. Do we need Christians that are talented or no, don't really care about that? What we need are faithful Christians. Those are the kinds of Christians we need around here. Christians who'll serve God in good weather and Christians who'll serve God in bad weather. Christians shall serve God in a godly culture or serve God in a morally bankrupt culture. A Christian shall serve God when the wind is at their back and everything's going great. And Christians shall serve God when the wind is directly set against them. 
Christians who'll serve God in the good times when the sun is shining and the kids are all healthy and the marriage is absolutely perfect. And Christians who'll serve God when it's raining outside and the kids are all getting in trouble and their parents are all in the nursing homes and their marriage is struggling and the finances are tight. We need Christians who'll serve God in the good times and in the bad times. I read a study this week that said on a normal Sunday, this is a normal Sunday, in an average church, that one half of the church does not attend. Half of this church is not here today. We have 10,000 people. Look at this auditorium. This this room has 3,500 seats. You do the math. We have three services. We had one last night at 6. We had one this morning at 9. And this is our third, plus we have all the children in the children's facilities. We have about 10,000 people here every weekend. That sounds good until you consider there's 10,000 people here, not here, who go to this church. So how do you know that's true? Well, because on Easter, we have 20,000 people. They all show up on Easter. (laughs) And you think about that. There's no other organization in the world that can operate when half the people don't show up. Government can't work that way. School teachers all have to show up and teach school. If you're in the army, you've got to show up. You can't say, I'm not going to go today. Imagine just half the army showed up. Imagine today's NFL football. What if half the team said, you know what, I'm not going to go today. I'm not going to play today. It wouldn't be an NFL. You know, somehow the church, ah, church, I don't really have to go. We have a million reasons not to go. We have the best worship services of any church in L.A. right here. I know, I know this sounds crazy, but we have some of the best uh, uh, speakers, guest speakers, some of the best sermons that are ever preached right here. We have some of the best facilities for young people of any church in this city. We have, we have the best group of volunteers, people who are here just to serve. We, have, we, have, we serve communion every week. We open up the Bible every week. Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here. And half the church says, hey, I'm not going. Not going. Don't need it. Thank I'll go do something else this week. Now, aren't you glad you came this week, though? You're... I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about them other people. And if you don't like point three, you're not going to like point four. Point four is the currency test. The currency test. There is nothing that is more revealing, nor more honest than the currency test. Jesus said, I want everybody to say Jesus said. Some of you people get me confused with Jesus sometimes. What I say and what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He did not say, wherever your heart is, your treasure follows. He says, where you put your money, your treasure, your heart just seems to follow that. You talk about a test. That's a test. Jesus talked more about money 
and material possessions than he did heaven and hell combined. Now, why would he do that? You would think all he would ever talk about would be heaven and hell. But Jesus talked more about money and material possessions than he did about heaven and hell. Why is that? Well, because he knew that for many of us, our greatest temptation would be that of pursuing wealth and materialism and placing that as a greater value than actually honoring him. Here's the two questions. Write this down. Where is your treasure and do you give cheerfully? And I'm the, I'm the senior pastor of this church. I will tell you this. If you can't give cheerfully, do not give. It's not going to help you and it's not going to bless us if it's not given cheerfully. I have one thing to say and I'll go on to the last point. How many of you are happy about that? <laughs> but every year at the end of the year, I look back over my life and I figure out with a dollar amount the resources that God has placed in my hands. I look at what that number is. And then I look at my giving records. I add all that up to see how much I've given and invested in the kingdom of God. And I make sure that there's a percentage that's at least 10% of what he's given me that I've given back. I do it every single year. But I look at what I'm going to make next year, what God's going to place in these hands, and I want to make sure I have it set up where I'm giving a certain percentage investing back into his kingdom. And if you've never done that, you need to do that. But there is no truer test. There's nothing that will reveal what's going on in your heart better than you looking to see where you invest, where is your treasure, and what you've given, have you given cheerfully? My last point is what we call the concern test. As a Christian, that means you're saved, amen? But if you're saved, there should be something just absolutely normal. That if you're saved, that there's just something about it that you want to make sure that everybody else is saved too. If you know Jesus, I mean, you've met him and you know him. If you really know him, if you know what it feels like to have your sins forgiven it seems like you'd want everyone else to have that exact same feeling doesn't that just seem normal but if you knew for a fact if you died right now that you were going to go to heaven don't you think you'd want everyone to have that exact same assurance so here's my last two questions and don't just write them down without thinking about this do you love god and some people Or do you love God and all people? Because what I've discovered is that we have some people that we just don't like. Some people, you just see them. You go, oh, I don't want to be around that guy. (laughs) Or we have certain prejudices towards certain people. We don't really care if they're saved or not. They're not my kind of people. Now, this guy over here, I like this, so I'm going to, hey, let's become friends. Hey, are you a Christian? The question is, do you love God in some people, or do you love God in all people? The Bible says that the whole Bible is summed up by saying that we're to love God and love people. Not some people, but all people. If you love God, 
and you love all people, don't you see then if you're out at a restaurant with someone and you actually truly love them, you want to make sure that you talk about their spiritual well-being. You would never ever meet anybody that you wouldn't have some concern that that person is saved. I close with verse 11 in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 at the very end of this book. You know, he's writing a letter. You have to end the letter somehow. You've got you to wrap this thing up. So he says, finally, brothers, goodbye, period. Everybody say goodbye. Say goodbye to Corinthians. We're getting to wrap it up. And then he says these three words. Aim for what? perfection you ever been to a gun range all the guns are tied down so you can't take them but they're real ammunition in them and you put these little things over your ear so you can't so loud and at the end of the range it's like a bowling alley down that other end there's a bullseye i've never been in a gun range and seen someone load up the gun and just start shooting a gun like this nobody does that everybody gets in there gets the gun and they look down to bullseye and and now they don't hit it all the time but they're not trying to hit outside or low they're trying they're trying to hit that bullseye every single shot paul goes through this whole letter and he says i know i've said some tough stuff i know some of you are going to think this is too difficult And as we've gone through this test, the conversion test, the character test, the continuation test, the currency test, the concern test, some of you have said, well, I'm really good at those two, but those three, I don't really care about that. No. You need to aim for perfection on every single one of these. He wasn't just saying this to the Corinthian church. He said this to every church. Church of Colossae, he wrote these words, We proclaim Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all the energy that so powerfully works through me. If you're a baby Christian, an immature Christian, if you're a growing Christian, or you're a carnal Christian, the goal, aim for perfection, to be a spiritually mature person. Are you going to miss the mark sometime? Yes, yes, yes. But you keep aiming for perfection. Be like Christ in every area of your life. Amen. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 
we have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you're like me, you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening today. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.